Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. You know, I say good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good night, and and I often forget that people don't listen to this necessarily in the afternoons. Maybe you're listening in the morning, so in that case, good morning. I hope you slept well. Anyway, wherever you may be and whenever you may be listening, this is Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. I am William Hill, the host of the program. This is broadcast number 58, February 20th, 2014. And continuing with the uh, various guests that we've had on the program in the last couple of weeks, today we're going to be talking with Dr. Ben Shaw. He is the Associate Professor of Old Testament He's also my Hebrew professor, was, well, kind of still is. But anyway, that's a long story. We won't go there. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we'll be sitting down and talking with him about his conference lecture material that will be given at this year's uh, Spring Theology Conference hosted by the seminary. And this year's topic is on the doctrine of providence, and so we'll be talking with him about his uh, lecture material in just a minute. Just by way of reminder for those who have Never listened to this podcast before. We do have a website. It's confessingourhope.com. You can go there if you're curious as to what we've done with the other 57 broadcasts. You can go there and get all of those and listen to them morning, evening, night, whenever you choose. In addition, you can also download those through RSS in the iTunes store. Yes, I did say iTunes. Um, you can get them there or in other places uh, on, your mobile, on mobile apps, uh, our mobile app, which is free, by the way. So take advantage of those different resources that are available for your use. They don't cost anything for you uh, to use, so take advantage of them. They're in the, um, what is it, the Apple Store? Apple Store, you can tell I'm not much of an Apple person. And uh, I forgot, Google the Google Play Store, anyway. Android or iOS devices, either way, you can get them there um, whenever you feel like it. So um, take advantage of that. The Spring Theology Conference, let me just give everybody a real quick update. It's March 11th through the 13th. It's hosted right here in Greenville. Actually, I think it's in Taylor's this year, but anyway, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and registration is due uh, pretty quickly. So if you are interested in attending the conference, uh, sign up at our website, gpts.edu, and there you can um, see all the information, hotel information, travel information, who the speakers are, when they're going to be speaking, what topics they're going to be speaking on. Yeah, pretty much the standard fare for a conference. So um, take advantage of that as well. Now, as I indicated, we'll be talking with Dr. Ben Shaw. He is um, old associate professor. I think I'm getting that right. Associate professor of Old Testament here at the seminary. We've had him on the program before, so he's old hat at this. And thankfully, he's not technologically challenged like some of my guests are at times, but um, anyway, we banter back and forth often about Android versus Apple and all those fun topics that, well, anyway, it's fun <laughs> regardless, and it's all in good fun, I should say. So, Dr. Shaw, it's good to have you on. It's been an eventful afternoon for you. We won't go there, but um, but it's good to have you on and talk about this topic, which um, it's interesting. When I first saw your title of your lecture, I immediately said to myself, knowing you, I said, he must have titled that lecture. So why don't you tell us what your title is and maybe the background to it. Why Why is this your topic? I know they, they assign them, but what is the background, maybe the genesis, uh, maybe research you've done in that area? Well, the background is that uh, 
Dr. Pipe had decided he needed somebody to speak <laughs> on the uh, problem uh, on providence and the problem of evil. And I got assigned that topic. I don't know that I've spent any uh, special and that I've done any special work in the past on the topic. Uh, but I've titled it uh, Providence and the Problem of Evil, Just a Bunch of Noise. <laughs> and uh, that's a uh, sort of a come on for the lecture itself. The that title will be explained in the lecture. But I, I, I think it's useful at the beginning that uh, providence, as long as it goes our way, uh, we're happy to just kind of float down that stream. Mm -hmm. But as soon as something goes contrary to what we're doing or to what we would like to have happen, that's where the problem of pain comes in. And then we say to ourselves, this doesn't make any sense. And it's like listening to sounds that don't make any sense. It's just a bunch of noise. Mm -hmm. So that that's essentially where that title comes from. But that's really what I'm dealing with is if God is in control, if God is good, and God is all-powerful, why is there evil? Why is there pain? And, uh, you know, it, it's a – it's more, if you will, not so much an intellectual problem for most people as it is an existential problem. That is, it hits us in the gut. It hits us where we live, and that's where the problem is. Uh, so, you know, in, in a certain sense, the atheist should have no problem of pain hmm. uh, mm -hmm. or problem of evil. Why is that? Because uh, for the atheist, there's nobody in control. Everything is random. Everything is chance. And the atheist has no moral foundation on which to say X is evil, Y is good. So for him, the, the idea is that just bad luck, if you want to use that word— it's just kind of floating around randomly in the universe. It just happens to land on you every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. That's what a that's way to live. It. And so, but they will say to the you know the one of the perhaps one of the most common critiques of Christianity uh, from the atheist is he says, "Look, you have a serious problem. You have a God whom you claim to be all good. You have a God whom you claim to be all powerful, and yet, you know." Murder, war, mm -hmm. mayhem, all kinds of hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, all of these kinds of things. Uh, if God is all good and God is all powerful, where does this stuff come from? Do you think these questions are illegitimate questions? No, I think in a certain sense they're legitimate questions, although they are often really posed by uh, atheists really merely to trip up the Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, um, uh, the atheist is, is, is often more interested in just winning the argument, and so he will simply throw out things that he figures will stump the Christian, uh, rather than having, if you will, either a serious intellectual interest in, in the issue or a serious existential interest in the issue what about the 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 believer who maybe isn't as ed well educated or informed as to what scripture teaches on these things and they have these kinds of questions uh, a tragedy happens in their life death 
wh- whatever it may be. And um, they say, on one hand, I know God is good, but on the other hand, this bad, evil thing happened. Uh, is there is there a way, I guess, in the outset of this discussion, and then I'm going to go to a, a more pointed question in a minute, um, is there a way to harmonize it? Yes. Maybe is that the right word, harmonize? Yeah. Well, you know, the, um, the, the Christian, I, I think, does have something of an existential problem when, when pain or evil hit home. Uh, and there's a I, – I love the title, the book is okay, but there's a book by Philip Yancey titled Disappointment with God. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of a number of people who either leave the faith or leave the faith and come back or, you know, just struggle uh, with the faith because God disappoints them. Something didn't happen that they wanted to happen and that they prayed fervently would happen or something happened that they didn't want to happen. And and they struggle with how to deal with that. Uh, is God really in control? Is God really in charge? Did God know this was going to happen? And if God knew this was going to happen, why did he do it to me? Hmm. Uh, you know, it's sort of the Job complaint. Why me? Yeah, I, I, personally, I, I've, I've had discussions with uh, someone close to me. I, I'm not going to say who... Um, for fear that they may listen to this and think I'm using them as a foil or fodder, but who is, for lack of a better way of expressing it, angry with God because you just mentioned Job. Uh, they talked to me about Job and, and wanted to understand, and, and their basic conclusion was what you just said. Well, God just stood idly by, in a sense, and, and inflicted all this horrendous thing on Job as a giant cosmic test between Satan and God. And Job was the, the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was the... Um, <laughs> he was the pawn. The pawn, that's it. Is that the way we should understand it? Um, no. Uh, God has purposes. I, what I would say is that the, the real problem for us comes because we don't understand God's purposes mm-hmm. in these things. Mm-hmm. And because we don't see the purpose we conclude that there is no purpose. <laughs> because we don't see the point, we conclude that there is no point. The fact is, there is a point, there is a purpose, but God may not be pleased to tell us what that point of that purpose is. Uh, you know, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine: the secret things belong to the Lord our God. And sometimes we just have to say, God, you know what you're doing. I, that walking by faith means saying at times, God, I haven't got a clue what you're doing, but I'm trusting that you do. Hmm. There was a book written, and I'm, I'm certain you're familiar with it. Most people are, whether Christian or otherwise. And I don't remember when it was written. It, it, it has to be as, at least as old as me, or at least pretty close, um, by a man. And I can't. The name escapes me, but I know I remember the title. Why do good things happen, or why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, Rabbi Kushner. Yeah, Harold was this Kushner. An, Was that book an attempt to somehow answer this question? Uh, yeah, uh, and Kushner, um, uh, although he was Jewish, uh, took what we might call an open theist view, uh, and that is, God's just not God is all is good, but God's not all powerful, and so there are simply things that get by God that God, you know, sort of if you will, wrings his hands and says, "I'm really sorry that happened. Uh, I'm here with you in all of this mess, but." 
There just wasn't anything I could do. Open theism. How does that contrast with deism? Are they similar or are they not similar? No, they're not really similar. Deism is the view that, to put it crassly, or uh, is that God created the world sort of like a, a, a watchmaker creates a watch. He wound it up, and then he set it to tick down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond the creation, he doesn't have any interaction with the world. Whereas open theism says that God is interactive with his creation, but he only knows what it's possible for him to know. And that is God cannot know Mm. the future choices of free agents. Uh, And that whole uh, open theism involves a, a particular view of what free will is, um, but God, uh, God knows everything that can be known. It's uh, according to the open theist. But there are many. But, but anything future that is determined by the free will of intelligent creatures, he can't know. He can't know that thing until they actually do it. So, how does God then accomplish the end of the age? Well, that's a big question for open theism, because the problem for open theism is that if God does not know these things, how can he, how can he be sure, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, how can we be sure that these things are actually going to come to pass? Yeah, interesting. Now, I wanna, don't want to run too far afield. I know it would be very easy in a, in a subject like this to do that. Well, one thing that is intriguing to me, even as you've been talking and thinking about um, this subject— is that while it's it's certainly a theological issue, um, you know we're dealing with providence. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then evil. We're going to talk about what evil is because I think there's some confusion there as well. But it's a very pastoral issue, I think, by and large, because people wrestle with these with tragedies of life all the time. And if there's not a context by which they can frame these things that makes that make some sense, not in no, no. Hear what I just said. I didn't say perfect sense. There are just things that happen sometimes you just can't explain um, from a human perspective. I mean, faith obviously is, is a factor here. It's working, and we know what God has said about himself, his character, all these things. And we're assuming that in this discussion. So when we're talking about providence and the problem of evil, because that's those two aspects are in, in view, let's start with providence. What exactly is providence? Providence is simply God's control of all things that happen. And, and how does he do that? Uh, through through the uh, uh, through the power of his uh, of his will, it's the uh, expression of his purpose in all things. And now the issue of evil, and this you know we could go, we could probably go in eighty directions here. And I realize that the, the danger of of talking about you know where did evil come from? I mean that's a lot of people like to theorize and, and speculate. Uh, so so I guess I'll do that. Okay, I'll and and I will punt that question because that's James Anderson's topic. <laughs> and we talked to, and we interviewed him. Those who are avid followers of this program, all twelve of you. Just kidding, um, but. We talked with him, um, and interestingly, I got a, 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 a I got feedback on that discussion that uh, was disappointed that we didn't deal with it exegetically. Well, <laughs> the problem, as I indicated on the program, and, and in this 
in this discussion, we're, we're not trying to exhaust the topic. We're trying to introduce it because you're going to get a more exhaustive treatment at the conference. I don't want Dr. Shaw to give me his paper right now. <laughs> and I didn't want Dr. Anderson to do the same thing for obvious reasons. Um, but yes, you know, he deals, no question, he deals with Calvinism and the origin of evil. That's, that's his, his topic. But, but when we're talking about providence in relationship to evil, Mm-hmm. God is if God is in control of all things, that means He's in control and and ordering even that aspect that we call an evil. And 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 I've heard different arguments that evil is not really something; it's an absence of something. Right. That's the Augustinian view. The Augustinian view. Uh, of course, the you you mentioned a moment ago talking about the definition of evil, and I I, I would say that you have to consider evil in at least three aspects. Uh, There was a Ligonier Conference, I think the 2009 Ligonier Conference, uh, John MacArthur was assigned the topic of the problem of evil. And he uh, designated four uh, types of evil, and I can only remember three of them because those were the only ones that really stuck with me. There's what you might call natural evil. And that's earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, that kind of thing. Then there's then there's moral evil, which would be sin, you know, murder, uh, adultery, theft. Those are all moral evils. And then there would be supernatural evil, and then that's the uh, the evil of Satan and his minions, uh, you know, that occurs. On a supernatural level, if you look at, uh, of course, the Gospels, you have these people who are demon-possessed, and those are uh, examples where Satan and his uh, underlings are uh, afflicting uh, people uh, with supernatural power Mm. uh, in order to uh, probably fundamentally trying to overthrow God's work. But it's interesting when you think of these three things, and we don't have the fourth, and that's fine, but I think this is enough, actually. All three of these are dependent on the presence of sin in the universe. Would you agree or disagree with that? Right. I I would say that evil is introduced into the universe through sin. Uh, You know, obviously the fall of Satan, but most obviously the fall of man. Uh, and I think, for example, um, you know, we tend to think of the fall as affecting us as human beings. Mm-hmm. But what we tend to forget is that it affected all of creation. Uh, and so, uh, for example, I, I think it's in his commentary on chapter 4, but I don't remember for sure. Uh, somewhere in his commentary on Genesis, Calvin uh takes the position uh, that flies and other nasty bugs were created after the fall as part of a punishment for sin. I'd like to believe that, but I'm not sure. (laughs) He's not alive anymore, so I can disagree with him without fear. But anyway, do you agree with that? Uh, Not really, but I I do think. But it's intriguing. (laughs) It it is intriguing, uh, and I'm not going to dismiss the possibility outright that God created, if you will, some things that are now in the world that were not in the world before Adam fell. But I would say primarily, 
you know, it, it's one thing to try to imagine what the the world was like before Adam fell. But the fact is, we have nothing mm. to compare it with. We haven't got the faintest idea, nope. really, what the world was like before Adam fell. What we know is what the world is like after Adam fell. And I, I again, I think we often underestimate the level of corruption that was introduced into the entire creation as a result of the fall of man. You know, when, when you drop a, a stone into a lake, those ripples go th- all the way across the lake, and they uh, create motion more or less throughout the entirety uh, of the lake. And, and, uh, and Adam's sin is a little bit like that. It has far-reaching, uh, thoroughgoing effects throughout all of creation that affects not just man, uh, but also the rest of the creation. When you look at these three things that you've listed, there's, to me, in my mind, at least as I'm looking at them, at some level anyway, perhaps, um, there's an aspect where there's an overlap. Um, while moral evil and natural evil are certainly exclusive aspects, natural evil touches on... Um, it touches on humanity, and it affects them. Let's take the tsunami that hit, uh, where did it hit? Thailand. Thank you. <laughs> That's why I'm interviewing him, and he's not interviewing me. Um, but that was, that was a tremendous loss of life. Mm-hmm. God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Psalm 115, verse 3. He sent that, I believe, um, because he's God. He's ordering all things for his own purposes. Uh but when you're talking to unbelievers, and they ask that question, and it gets asked, how do you answer that? Well, why did God do that? Well, the the only answer you can give is I don't know, uh, because we don't. And why are we? Aff- and that's you know, I love the simplicity of that. I do. I mean, I'm a simple person myself, and and that's probably what I'd say. I really don't know the answer. But why are we afraid to say that? I think sometimes we as Christians think that we have to have an answer to every objection that the unbeliever can throw at us. And that's simply not true. Um, uh, I don't remember who it was, uh, but somebody had – this was several months back – had written a post uh, about uh, essentially witnessing. Mm -hmm. And he was talking to somebody, and they wanted to get into the whole – evolution young versus young earth creation debate and he said you know at some future time i'd be happy to talk with you about that but that's not the real that's not the real pointed issue the real pointed issue is was christ raised from the dead Hmm. if christ raised from was raised from the dead then he validates he verifies Everything that he said, uh, and you know, the the evolution uh, creation debate, we can debate that for another time. But that's really, in a certain sense, a secondary issue. Yep. Uh, and and again, I think sometimes we as Christians can get distracted mm. from the central point of the gospel, 
uh, by people who may be raising objections that are legitimate in their mind, but that's not really the central issue. Yep. And 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 on that point with unbelievers, I I comp- I, I agree completely, and and I think it's so easy to get sidetracked, um, and and it's certainly a to- a, a, a ploy of the enemy to accomplish that. Um, to to avoid the real sub- substance of the discussion that ought to be had with unbelievers. But what about Christians who have some knowledge and understanding, even have great knowledge of the Bible, that wrestle with just those simple things? Now, okay, 900,000 people, whatever it was, I don't know the numbers, um, died, lost their life for no fault of their own. I'm going somewhere with this. Mm-hmm. Um, no fault of their own. That's what you hear. And... Um, God appears to just have permitted, purpose to allow, call it whatever you like, this huge loss of human life. And they're trying to rationalize that. Well, if God would allow that to happen to 900,000 people or a billion people or a million, whatever it was, what about me? What's Is God really looking out for my best interest? Well, I, I, I think... I mean, they know the verse, yeah. Romans 8, 28. Right. They know all things work together for good, sure. and they've heard that quoted a zillion times. Right. Um, I, I, what I would say is that those kinds of events, the, the tsunami, uh, the uh, earthquake that hit uh, and the following tsunami that hit uh, Japan a couple of years ago, uh, you know, tornadoes, hurricanes, the hurricane that hit Katrina, uh, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina that hit New Orleans in 2005, the one that hit Haiti a couple of years later, you know, all kinds of people, tens of thousands of people lost their lives in those events. What we don't consider is that tens of thousands of people lose their lives every day in auto accidents, heart attacks, old age. And that is simply ongoing proof that it is appointed unto man once to die. Mm. Uh, it's on, as someone once said, every cemetery you pass <laughs> is proof <laughs> that dust you are and to dust you shall return. Uh, and, and it's just the magnitude of a particular event, I think, that draws people's attention without considering the as i say the tens of thousands who die every day from if you will natural causes yep yep now i said i was going somewhere with this because because uh, i was <laughs> and i think you know where i'm going to end up here in a minute um what you hear on the news in the mainstream in the media and social networking where i don't care where you turn when tragedy of some nature some evil befalls um let's let's take columbine let's take uh, the shooting at virginia tech uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the you know these ones that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. you know these those sudden uh, events that happen that are just thrust in our face, or they're just horrifying, they're shocking, they happen all at once. Um, the the shootings in Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, and what you typically hear as you watch the news is these these innocent people died, lost their life, and the real question is: is there such a thing as an innocent person? No, there's no no such thing as an innocent person. Some are more guilty than others, and some are guilty of greater crimes and greater sins than others, but not one of us is innocent. We are uh, born with uh, original sin. That is the 
the uh, corruption of Adam's nature that came upon him uh, because of his transgression in the garden uh, is passed on to all of his descendants. Hmm. Uh, through one man, sin entered the world, uh, and through sin, death. And so, uh, you know, as I say, some are less guilty than others, but nobody is, there's no such thing as an innocent person in that sense dying. Whenever I think about God's providence, his working, and, and his right to order and govern his universe, and, and when you think about that aspect of it, I think that gets lost when we what we call evil or the circumstances like we just discussed occur. We forget that God has a right to govern his universe any way he pleases. He's God. I am not. And um, so we try to put God in this box and say, well, you can't do that because that's these people are innocent or this, you know, harm, you know, innocent loss of life, whatever. You're, you're an evil monster. I mean, Scripture is so obvious, so abundantly clear that God is far from evil. Um, he's good, he's patient, he's loving, he's kind, he's compassionate, he, he treads long with sinners, uh, he waits long for sinners to repent, he works overtime to bring them to repentance. And every time an event happens, like 9-11, I mean, that was a great opportunity for the church to speak loudly. Uh, I don't know how well we did there. Um, I won't pretend to assess that. I think of the passage in Luke 13. Where, in some sense, this very issue of God's providence in evil in the world is brought to bear on the people. And I'm always intrigued by Christ's response. Well, why are you worried about, okay, let's use 9 11. Mm-hmm. Why are you worried about why that happened? You, you weren't in the building. That's not the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is you need to repent because next time you might be in that building. Yeah. That's right. I, you know, unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. Do you think Luke 13 is a, is a good place um, for Christians to go to to try to, in some rational way, explain the real issue? I mean, you mentioned before there's, the, there's a tendency to get sidetracked. You know, mm-hmm. Trying to explain the mind of God in these matters is, well, frankly, impossible. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, in, in a certain sense, I suppose it depends on what question – uh, it gets asked, but uh, I would say it does get to the heart of the question, uh, and the heart of the question is, what are you going to do with Christ? Uh, Christ makes claims. He's validated those claims through his resurrection. Um, you know, what are you going to do with him? Now, some people would say, you know, I can't possibly worship or serve a God who would allow a billion people to be wiped out by a giant wave. Well, then you don't worship, the, then you have you have no desire to worship the God who is. Uh, and, and of course, that's our natural state. Uh, we don't want to have anything to do with the God of the Bible. Uh, the God of the Bible is uh, you know, just not a God we're comfortable with. We want to rebel against that. We mm. want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way and not be answerable to anyone. And the God of the Bible is, if you will, the final arbiter, the final judge. Uh, you know, the gods that people are comfortable with are the gods that <laughs> will not call them to account. You get the gods that sit on the edge of heaven and, and drop good gifts, as it were, it, all wrapped up in a nice little bow, just the way I would like it. Right. And um, and that's part of I, – I, I, as I think more about this, and 
I guess it, pastorally, it, it is obviously an issue that I think pastors have to wrestle with and have to come to some kind of understanding, even though they cannot completely explain it. <laughs> you know, I, I would be, I guess one of the difficulties of even going into the ministry and sitting across the table from a, from a husband and wife who've just lost a child mm-hmm. and the brokenness that you see and the despair, as it were, and trying to bring some kind of soothing understanding to that equation, but recognizing at the same time that I, I had a friend, just as a, a personal story, I was many years ago, uh, a friend of mine that um, did the whole youth group thing growing up and everything, and uh, 17 years old, killed in a car accident. And uh, her sister, his sister, uh, we were at the hospital, um, and uh, his sister came to me and she wanted to talk and I was much older than her and she asked me that that simple and I said, this is a Christian mm-hmm. yeah. why did God let this happen and all I could say was I don't know yeah I mean in, in a certain abstract sense you can say it happened for his greater glory but that's and uh, yeah I it, hate to be sacrilegious but Oftentimes that, in those situations, not, you know, does not soothe people. And it's not a pastoral answer. It's just you know, uh, it's it's like trotting out Romans eight twenty eight at those times. True, it is true. It will always be true, but it is not pastorally helpful. And uh, and the fact is, uh, we some things that God does we can explain because those things are clear, but. Many things God does is his rationale, if you will, for doing them, uh, why some things happen and other things don't. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are many uh, Denver Broncos fans who <laughs> wonder why it was that the Broncos got humiliated in the last Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, well, the you, fact are, is, you are being very kind. Humiliated <laughs> isn't the word. Um I don't think they even came to New York. I think they they lost their plane tickets or something. But uh, one of the things I appreciate about being a student at the seminary is that all the professors, ordained ministers, they've been there, they've been in the trenches, um, they've seen these kinds of issues with people, mm-hmm. and they've had to deal with those. Uh, so I guess take the Ph.D. hat off for a minute. Throw your pastor's hat on your head, as if that's a. There's, I think you know what I mean. Yeah. And you're you're interacting with one of your members that's had been touched by evil in whatever camp it's in, whether it's natural, whether it's moral, supernatural. I don't care. They don't. They're not thinking that way at that moment. Right. Um, they're just. They're, they just know how they feel. Right. Um, what do you say? You say, trust Christ. Uh, th- you know, this is what walking by faith, not by sight, means. It means you keep walking with Christ. Uh, you know, what what does it say? Though he slay me, yeah. Job, yet Job will 11. I trust him. Uh, you know, for an Old Testament saint who had little of the revelation that mm. we have. Um, to make that statement uh, is a reflection of an incredible level of faith, and it it's just to call the the person to 
to trust Christ, to cry out to Christ. You know, one of the nice things about the Psalms is mm. that the Psalms are full of people who are dealing with the problem of evil. And uh, Psalm 88 is, in, in some sense, perhaps my favorite one, because most of the – a good number of the psalms are laments, and mm-hmm. the laments begin with the particular saint crying out to God from a, a particularly difficult situation. And for the most part, those laments end on a positive note. Mm. There's a point, if you will, in the psalm where the psalmist – comes to the realization that that God is in fact uh, in control and God will reward the righteous, he will punish the wicked, all these things will be taken care of. But when you get to the end of Psalm 88, the last line is, all my friends are darkness. It doesn't get resolved, right? It doesn't get resolved. And, you know, one of the things, when I say look to Christ, that's the, that psalm, uh, to my mind, if if you ever wondered what Jesus prayed uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane that night that he was arrested, I think if anything, it was probably Psalm eighty-eight. Mm. Uh, all his friends, he he's there praying, and he knows that Peter and James and John are falling asleep a few yards away. He knows that by the end of the night, they will all have deserted him, and. Uh, well, what he's facing is darkness, and it doesn't get resolved, if you will, until he says it is finished. Mm. So that that last day uh, of the life of Christ is full of darkness, full of pain, uh, full of evil, and uh, and you point to people and say, "Look, Christ knows." Uh, there's a passage at the end of uh, Exodus two where. Uh, it's talking about the oppression of the Israelites in Egypt. And the last verse in the chapter says uh, something to the effect of, and God looked upon his people and he knew. Hmm. And just leaves it bare there. Some of the translations sort of try to flesh it out. But but I I think just leaving it as it is, and God knew that, that God is even if you will in his infliction of pain upon us god knows and he is with us in it and christ has been through it if you will on our behalf mm. yeah those are great words and i never really considered maybe i heard you in one of the classes mention the psalm 88 thing i've heard it before i don't know where it doesn't matter um but but that is really interesting um perspective i remember reading or hearing uh, years ago uh, a story of a man who um, wrote a book uh, he's lost his family in a car accident he was one day at a family the next day next minute he didn't um, tragic situation evil you know supernatural it wasn't really a natural i don't know whatever whatever evil it was it was bad he it doesn't matter <laughs> um and he wrote a book uh about it and he did all the things that you do when people die, you know, did the, the, the visiting and the funeral, and then there's the time afterwards in the home. And and there's a part in the book where he talks about how people were coming to him after he just lost his wife, his children, 
horrific situation and um they didn't know what to say so they just talked up a storm trying to offer the greatest counsels and in the book he says i wish they'd just leave they weren't helpful he said then there was one person who came and just sat didn't say a word the whole time and listened to him and i guess i say all that to say that there are going to be times i guess in the ministry um or otherwise, you may be on the receiving end of it, or you may be on the end where you're giving, mm-hmm. where it, sometimes it's better not to say anything. Yeah. I, because you might not have an answer. There's nothing to say. Uh, somebody asks you, why did this happen? And you have to say, I don't know, because you don't know. Uh, but what you do want to be is there for that person. Um, you know, often in the church. Well, I I, I I think a couple of other things could be said for if you're ministering to someone who is in that kind of distress. Uh, number one, uh, let them grieve in their own way mm-hmm. and in their own time because everybody's different and not everybody's grief is going to look exactly the same. Uh, but also uh, be there for them. Uh, make sure they don't get isolated. Make sure that they're involved in the church. Uh, you know, um, often uh, the uh, people will say, well, if I go to church, I have to put my happy face on. Yeah. And, you know, the fact is, if you go to that kind of church, I'd suggest you might go looking for another church. Uh, but there's been a couple of uh, situations that have arisen in family or in not in family, but in close friends over the last few weeks, where the church uh, in the, in these cases really showed its metal. Uh, that the people in the church were there for these families, uh, supportive, helpful. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, now, don't judge the church too harshly. Not not everybody everybody's not perfect, and and the church isn't always going to do exactly what you need them to do. Um, but don't mm. cut yourself off from the church. Yeah, definitely great. I mean, those are great pieces of, of counsel. Um, you know, I, I I just think personally, you know, if something like that were to happen to me, just exactly how I would react. I hope I never have to. I guess at some point in time, I'll have to face it, but. Just knowing, I guess, and trying to, I guess, mentally preparing your mind and and being grounded in the Scriptures and knowing what kind of God we serve and having that firmly entrenched up front. I mean, I think of Job, and and he knew the God he served. He he, he certainly had a lot of questions. I mean, you read through Job, he had a lot of questions. Um, But you talked about this happy face thing, and I remember thinking about the passage where it says that that after everything that happened to him he 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 tore his clothes he 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 mourned and then he worshiped and and I mentioned in fact I was preaching on that text and I said I said you know here's a man who was under real grief and he didn't hide it mm-hmm. he displayed it publicly um he didn't try to slap on this happy face like everything's just great because it wasn't mm-hmm. and um Allowing people to be able to do that is helpful when, when these kinds of horrible things happen in their lives. Now, in, in conclusion, 
I don't know that we talked much. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know that we talked a great deal about what you're going to try to accomplish in the conference. I mean, it's difficult at times yeah. in these kinds of discussions to do just that. Yeah. But what is your 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 desire or your goal when you give your lecture? Well, I, I wanted I want to accomplish three things. Uh, first, I want to I want to show the if you will the philosophical theological mm-hmm. explanation. Um, so, you know, they, these are not new questions. Nope. And, uh, um, and and so it's not as if there aren't resources out there to consult. And and so, you know, this is not really my area of expertise, but I've got good res- I've got good sources. Uh, and like I say, the Christian Church has wrestled with these issues for a long time. And so I hope to show, first of all, that there is a clear theological-slash-philosophical explanation. Um, Second, I want to approach it uh, also from a biblical uh, perspective. And and here, uh, just to throw a teaser in, I'm going to be – I'm going to focus on Job 3 – and Job 38 to 41. Job 3 is Job's complaint. Job mm-hmm. 38 to 41 is God's monologue, if mm-hmm. you will, at the end of the whole deal. And commentators and uh, study guide authors will always complain that God does not answer Job's complaint. Mm-hmm. That uh, the way somebody has put it, God kind of shows up like a, a big bully and says, well, who do you think you are? And I want to show that in God, in, although God does not directly answer Job's complaint, in the language that he uses, in the examples that he uses, he really does deal with every issue that Job raises in his initial complaint. And that's why at the end I think you find that Job is satisfied with what he has heard. Yep. Uh, and then thirdly, I want to look at it from, if you will, an existential uh, uh uh, perspective. How do we live with this? How do we understand this? Okay, I've got the theology, but theology can in the in the in the point of pain and the point of evil can sometimes be dry and distant. Uh, and even you know we, we have a tendency to think, well, my experience is different from Job's. Well, it is and it isn't. But is there a way that I can uh, think about this? This evil hmm. that help that will help me cope, if you will, uh, on a day to day basis as I work my way through it. Great. Well, and, and one of the things that we try to do on this podcast all the time, at least that's always been my desire since episode number one, is to not just talk about theological issues in the abstract. Um, to always try to put them in the, into the into the hands of people so that they can walk away and go, you know what. I was strengthened to, to listen to that, or it, that helped me in my practical walk with Christ. I'm home. Uh, I have cancer. It's terminal. Um, I listen to this podcast, and I can reflect on some of the things that were said, um, not in the theolo- theological realm alone, but in the in the day-to-day living experience um, application-type aspects. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I love theology. I think you know we're being trained in theological things here to think theologically, to think precisely about things. But it's not left there. If that's all it is, then it's that's nice. But um, I'm just smarter. 
but I'm not helpful. How do I minister if I'm just smarter? I mean, that's not going to do it. And and I think most people recognize that in pastors and their elders that, you know, you may be the smartest guy in the room, but uh, if you're not able to help and minister, there's not much use. And, uh, and these kinds of issues are real. I mean, these are real issues. And you, you mentioned Job, and, and we think of Job as the worst-case scenario in the Bible of mm-hmm. horrific things that happen. But that, it's not the case. I mean, he, it's bad. Uh, but you think of the Apostle Paul and the things he went through. You think you mentioned Christ, and, the, and, the, and that's, the, I think, the, 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 the top of it all mm-hmm. as far as suffering and agony because he suffered in ways that, that no human being would ever be able to suffer. Um, so you think about all those different things and being able to give a reasoned answer and understand these things from a not just a theological perspective but that practical element. So I'm glad that's you're going to deal with that in the in the lecture because I think that's mm-hmm. going to be very helpful for those who come aren't necessarily ministers but just people who may be hurting because oftentimes we don't know where people are when we're talking. Right. Um, I mean, you preach often and. And, and fill pulpits, and, and you don't always know where, where those people out there they're sitting. You have no idea uh, what's going on in their lives, and right. so um, I'm thankful that you're going to address that there as well. Any final concluding? Are you going to solve this problem for us? <laughs> well, there's uh, there's no problem according to your title. <laughs> yeah, and it's just a bunch of noise, right? Um, but uh, yeah, do listen to the lecture uh, or come to hear it, and. Uh, You'll find out where all of that, where that uh, reference comes from, but um, there was, uh, I was reading something the other day, and it referenced a, a line out of uh, a sermon by John Donne on one of the Psalms, and uh, it doesn't direct, it doesn't deal directly with the problem of evil uh, or the problem of pain, but he was observing in that. I don't know if any of you have ever read the sermons of John Donne. They're wonderfully they, – they, they were probably hard to sit through and listen to because they're wonderfully literary. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he talks about how uh, – he's talking about the resurrection, uh, not, not the resurrection of Christ, but, the, but our resurrection, and how God knows precisely where every element of our body is, and on that last day – he will bring it all together, mm. and uh, maybe tonight. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice, and I wouldn't have to finish the lecture. <laughs> it would be nice on a lot of. From, it would be nice from a lot of fronts, not just that one. I could think of a few. Just if we're going to do that, I could think of a few reasons why it would be nice, and all of them are fleshly yeah. and 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 not so sanctified. Yeah, um, but yeah, I. I there's going to come a day when we're going to – we may never, uh, even in eternity, be able to connect all the dots to how God's providence worked even in these difficult times and evil and circumstances that we look at and go, oh, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Um, we may not ever know. Um, maybe we will get a glimpse, as it were, as to some of the fruit that was born from that that would never have happened if these things did not come to pass. I don't know. I, I don't know what what awaits for us in in eternity on those things. Um, I don't think we'll care. Yeah, frankly, yeah. Um, I think we'll get to heaven and be like, whatever happened then is done. <laughs> it's yeah. thankfully wash your hands of it, and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if God was pleased to tell us, um, I think we'd be it would be very obvious, and we'd be like, oh, 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, we'll see the glory of God displayed in ways that we otherwise would not have. Yep. Well, it's been great talking with you about this. I know it's one of those subjects, you know, it always seems to come up, pops up in, it pops up in classes. I mean, these things come up in our discussions in classes, and but that's nice for the classroom. Um, but there are people that really, they really wrestle with this, not because they don't believe in Christ, they don't believe in God, they don't believe what the Bible teaches about the nature of God, but because they just, it, I think it's just part of our flesh that wants to harmonize what we cannot harmonize um, at some level. Makes sense of Right, yeah. can't make sense of it, and um, and as you mentioned, it's it, there's a there's a huge faith element at work here. Um, if in fact Romans eight twenty eight is true, and it is, then that's what's going on. I mean, right? It, it's details we don't always understand how that's working, but it is working mm-hmm. for our good. Um, and you know, only the God of the universe can bring good out of horrendous awful things from our perspective yeah. I mean, he's not tripped up by any of it not right. surprised at all right. and so it's very much not just a theological issue but a very practical one at well for those who are wondering as we wrap up here when dr shaw will be doing this lecture it is on the first day uh the tuesday afternoon at three o'clock unless something has changed that's what i have so it'll be three o'clock um on that first day the tuesday afternoon um and in fact, there's a question and answer session right after, so come loaded. <laughs> if I didn't ask the right questions, and I'm certain I didn't, um, if you've got your own, bring them. Yeah. I'd be interested in that. But it's only you only get 30 minutes, so yeah. But I, I'll I'll defer them all to uh, uh, Dr. Thomas. Uh, yeah, to Derek Thomas and to uh, James Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> of course they're the next day. Yeah, I, I I wonder about the order as you were talking. I thought you know maybe. Well, I won't go there. Yeah, it's it, very interesting. But Dr. Shaw, thank you um, for taking the time to talk with with me this afternoon. I know this this hasn't been, been the easiest afternoon for you, but um, I appreciate um, your time, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I always learn in talking to you men about these things, uh, even a little bit um, yeah. about what's coming out there at some point in time, yeah. Yeah. and uh, how to deal with it you know, as effectively as possible. Yeah. Uh, in my fallen state. <laughs> Let me uh, quickly tell everybody what's going on. Next week we'll be talking, we'll be sitting down with two first-year students, um, uh, two men that have come to Greenville Seminary. We're going to talk now that they've had a semester under their belt and they're now fully ensnared, as it were, <laughs> in their second semester, and they're wondering what I just what did I sign up for? Have I lost my mind? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we're going to be talking with two men who um, who are now in their second semester of their first year and get their perspectives on seminary life was it everything they dreamed it would be um those kinds of questions so we'll be talking with these two men in addition we're going to be talking with dr piper about his conference lecture as we continue the same theme as we build up and lead up to the conference we'll be talking with him on the question of providence or fatalism and in that discussion we'll probably get into the issue of concurrence and if you don't know what that is don't worry about it we'll discuss it um so stay tuned for that as well in the very near future. So until then, I do want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I, I hope it's a, a benefit for you. Uh, if, if you do have any concerns or complaints, I get them. It does happen, believe it or not. Um, but if you do have any, if you have anything nice you want to say, <laughs> I'll take that too. Uh, you can write me at confessingourhope at gpts.edu. You can follow us on Twitter 
and Facebook in addition to that. You know, everybody's into the whole social network thing, right? So get on board, follow us there, and we post updates on a regular basis through those different mediums as we um, as we get the information. So until next time, we do thank you for listening to this particular edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And God bless.